Amen. Come on, let's thank God for who he is. Thank you. Also, let's thank God for our worship team today. Come on, let's do that. Let's just keep stood for a second. I want to pray just for a couple of things today. You know, in the last um, month or so, there's been a few cases of people that I know, some that's, that um, are family, some are friends, some within our church that are facing some uh, issues with like cancer stuff and some illness. So can we pray as a church right now? I'm going to pray over some people today. If you're also struggling with illness in your life, I want to pray for God to do something supernatural in your life. Father, we thank you that you know every name, Lord, in this place online, those who are struggling in the body of Christ. And we pray right now for your healing power to touch them. We pray for those that have had surgery with cancer, those who are going through to surgery with cancer. Lord, we pray right now for your healing presence to touch them where they are. We pray, Lord, I pray for Sam and Paul and Val and other people right now that I know are going through situations. And we just pray, Lord, for your healing presence to touch their bodies, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, for sickness in general, Lord, in the body of Christ. Lord, those that may not know Jesus too, who are struggling with sickness or disease or struggling right now, we ask you for your healing presence, Lord, to, to touch them. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we speak healing over everybody right now in Jesus' name. We pray healing to people's bodies, minds, and emotions. Father, we ask you right now, Lord, for those online, Lord, we pray that your healing presence would visit their rooms, the hospitals, their homes. Lord, wherever it is, we pray, right, sickness would leave these bodies today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Listen, please be seated. Remember, Jesus tells us to pray for the sick. We can't heal them. Amen. Amen. So listen, in spite of sometimes that we don't see healing, Jesus commands his church to pray for the sick. It's his job to heal and we've got to pray. So if we don't pray, that means we don't give Jesus opportunity to heal. Amen? Let's not get mixed up that we're the healers. Jesus is the healer and he says, you need to lay hands upon the sick and let me do what needs to be done. And so we've got to give God opportunity this morning to do that in Jesus' name. Amen? Can anybody turn this machine off? Can I do that? Just pull the plug out or something because it's... oh. It stopped. Well done. Oh, sorry. Praise God. Nobody touched that. Was that, was that supernatural? <laughs> it's done, Phil. It's fine. But if you want to pull the plug, that's cool. Just a couple of things before we get into the message. Just to mention that two things I want to plug as a church that we are doing. Number one is the ladies' conference in Dare. We've got over 800 people booked in already. 800 ladies. <laughs> Listen, this venue only holds 925. That's not included all the helpers. So if you've not booked your ticket from our church, please do it soon or you won't be able to get in. Also, 45 churches are represented from those 800 people. And there are people that's coming that doesn't know Jesus. So church, will you pray for this event? All the preparation that's going, there was loads of people yesterday was coming, serving, packing bags and doing worship practice. Loads of effort is going in prayer. We need you to pray so God will impact the believer and also the unbeliever in this amazing event. Pray for Linda and the team as they're sowing into this ministry and you're, we are a part of it with other churches. So we're really excited what's going to happen. The second thing is, is Alpha. We need you to be involved. We need you to take one of these invitations at the info desk. Alpha will be there waiting for you. Sign up if you want to help with Alpha. But we need you to bring an unsaved friend to this event. This event is for two kinds of people. One person that's just come to know the Lord so they can get some foundation. And the second kind of people is the person that doesn't know Jesus. We want just those two kinds of people. If you want to help in Alpha and you've been a Christian a long time, then brilliant, sign up for that. But we need some lost people coming to this event. And Alpha is an absolutely amazing tool where God will do his stuff with the help of the church. So will you please do me a favour and those online, would, would you leave today, get a couple of these invitations and hand them to somebody that you're in relationship with so you can bring them to Alpha or invite them. And let's just do that and believe God 
to do something amazing with just an invite. I know not everybody's got boldness to knock on doors and tell people about Jesus, but you can put a leaflet in somebody's hand. Father, we pray for these invitations. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us the right people to put this into their hands. We, Lord, beyond this leaflet is somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And Lord, this invitation could be a, a beginning point to bring them home. Lord, you know, the majority of people that become Christians is by invitation. Did you know that? Somebody asked them to come to an event. Somebody invited them to church. That's the biggest way that people come to Christ is through invitation. So we're asking you as a church, will you make this Alpha a success? But what I mean by that is that we get some lost people saved and we get some new Christians developed and matured in Christ. Amen? So Father, we commit to you our two activities this um, September and we ask you, Lord, that you put your presence upon it and that you would do great things for your name. Lord God's people said? Amen. Amen. Okay, if you've got your Bible, please turn to 2 Chronicles 20. We're summing up our thankful theme. Mike Nichols, Pastor Mike Nichols will be here next week. Do not miss next Sunday. He is talking about heaven. He's going to let you know what your eternal inheritance is like and what heaven will be like when you get there because there's some cranky thoughts of what heaven is like that we're just going to be on a cloud playing a harp. That is not going to be heaven for us. So come next week and Pastor Mike will share what heaven will be like in what he's learned from the Scriptures and from other things. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Many of you may know this well-known story, but I'm going to preach it to you today, maybe a different take on it, but let's see what God will do. Father, before we read the Word, we ask you that you would orchestrate what you want to deposit in our hearts. Lord, would you please give revelation today. Lord, information on its own will not do much, but information and revelation will bring transformation. And so we ask you, Father, to deposit your word, your spirit in our lives in Jesus' name. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord he will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Say amen. amen. Well-known story. Let me give you some background to help you. So the book of Chronicles is written in a historical account with one and two kings, but in Chronicles, the writer thought it was best that he would only pick out the good kings and mainly of the kings of the south because there were so many bad kings in the north when, they, when, they, um, when Israel was, was divided. When Solomon reigned, it was David, Solomon, and then, then the divided split, the kingdom divided into two, north and south, and there was a lot more um, tribes in the north than there were south, but there was a lot more evil kings. I'm talking about those that should be honouring God represented the north tribes than the south. And so the Chronicles leaves the bad bits out to encourage the church or the Christians or the believers at that time in the Old Testament, the people of God, that God had some good kings on the throne. And so when you read Chronicles, it talks about the good kings and mainly kings of the south. So David, Solomon, you know, Asa, and then Jehoshaphat, which we're going to talk about today. And so King Asa was one of those kings and he didn't have a great ending um, for some reason. He had something wrong with his feet at the end of his life. And it says the Bible, this is an interest in this because we actually always encourage you to go to the doctors and to take medication. We encourage that because there is no contradiction between the supernatural healing of God and medical profession. Thank God for the NHS in the time of COVID. Amen. Amen. So it was prayer and the medical field that helped us get through navigation of all our sicknesses. Thank God for medication. Thank God for anaesthetic. Come on. Some of you are so full of faith and say, I don't believe in that. Well, you tell me what the operation is like then without it. 
And sometimes some Christians are so daft, it's unbelievable. And so there's no contradiction between the supernatural power of healing, we pray for that, but also the medical profession. But Asa only sought doctors, but never sought God. So you can go to the other extreme. You can say, oh, all I need is the NHS and the doctors, and you, you leave God out. But let me tell you, there will be a season in our life when the doctors say, we can't do nothing for you. But God can still move and heal you. God can still resurrect our things in our life. So he made a mistake by only consulting the doctors and leaving God out of the picture. It didn't end that well. And then his son took over, Je um, what's his name? Jehoshaphat. Now, um, if you look at the story and read the history of what happened, so he was a smart king. He took over and he reinforced what his father had established. So he went around the kingdoms that his father established and he strengthened them. Not only that, he was a godly king because he tore down the high places and the Asherah poles and began to bring down idolatry. So he was a good king. Also, he would send out teachers to bring the word of God to those areas and, and let the law be preeminent over their lives. And so, and he was a man of prayer. So it was good. He made a few mistakes in his life like all of us do. So he, but his heart was after God. And you can read some of the compromises that he made that, that didn't help him. He nearly lost his life in his compromise. But yet God still honoured him because he knew where his heart was, just like David. And so what I want to encourage you about is to read the story. And it tells us that in one time of Jabhat's kingship, I think it's in chapter 10, it tells us that there was no war against them and God blessed them with prosperity and good health. They were just prosperous. There was no one having a fight with them at that time. But as we come to chapter 20, we can see the tables turn. We can see that all of a sudden, there, there is some um, enemies coming to fight Jehoshaphat and his people. In 2 Chronicles, after this, the Moabites and the Amorites with some of the Mennonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against from Edom. The Edomites also was a part of the, the people that was against them um, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So in the context of this, they're about 25 miles away and he was caught off balance. And here was a sudden, the time of peace and all of a sudden, these three major armies are coming against Jehoshaphat, who represents Judah. And so when we look at the story, it's interesting to know that there were three major armies that was coming against the people of God. And what we need to understand is that as we become Christians, we have also three major armies that will try and do battle against our walk with God. Three major ones, which I'm going to outline to you. The number, number one, the number one army, so if you look at who they were, the number one army that came against them and is going to come against you is what we call the world. The world. The world which God saved us from with its pattern, with its values, with its sort of standards we're in a battle against the world. Now, Jesus doesn't call us out of the world, but to be light and salt in the world. But so many Christians lose the battle because they become worldly. Amen? So, we're, so some of you, in fact, most of us in this room, we're all fighting against the standards of this world. The, the, the values, and we're totally against that all the time. When you look at what people believe today, when you look at what the, the standards of people are bringing in, all of what, what's accepted today, it's contrary to the Word of God. So we're constantly in battle. In fact, Romans says, 12, I therefore urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper kind of worship. Listen, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So I want to say to you that sometimes you need to know that you're in a battle, whether you like it or not. And when you leave this gathering today, 
You are against the standards which everybody else is placing on us, but we must live under the standards of the Word of God. And we're always in conflict with that. 1 Corinthians says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world. You know, so there's a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So I want to tell you that the culture that we are fighting against will try and talk you out of God's principles and God's plans for your life. And so we're constantly fighting and we lose a lot of, of, of our battles because we yield to the patterns of the world. In fact, you know, I think the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesians, you used to follow the ways of the world. There's nothing worse than a worldly Christian. You cannot win a battle. God can't fight for you if you're living a worldly life because you tie his hands around his back. You see, the Bible says, stand, stand still and, and let God fight for you. Half the time, we're fighting against God because of the choices we make to live away from what he tells us to live. And so which we can't resist the devil because we're resisting God. Oh, it's gone really quiet. Online, I mean. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who live who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. See, worldliness is not external. Worldliness, since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So there is a lifestyle which we must live according to the world, not the world. The world operates like that. And if you want God to fight for you, you have to live under His standards and not the world's standards. And so we lose many battles because we operate under the world's values instead of leaning into God's Word and saying, well, what does God say about this? You know, don't allow the media or, or, or today's sort of voices to lead your life for you. Make sure the Word of God is preeminent, is number one, is, is the Word is living in you richly, that you're guided by His principles and not the standards of, world, of the world. Don't get trapped in the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to what God says. So important. And we lose too many battles. The second enemy is the devil. Now, I don't want to give him too much room because too many Christians... Blame the devil when he's not even involved in your life because carnality is your problem, not the devil. The devil is against is God's people. He hates people that follow Jesus with passion. He loves, he loves lukewarm Christians because he can run them ragged. But he hates any Christian that's sold out for him because he knows that somebody who is sold out for God can do damage to his kingdom. And so he has forces. Ephesians says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do not be fooled. The enemy, the devil, prowls round like a lion looking for someone to devour. The devil will not leave you alone and looks for an opportunity to stitch you up, to, to harass you, to, to do what he can do, but you, ha you will give him room to do that. The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. We are supposed to, uh, to resist the devil, not assist him. And some of you in this room and some of you online are actually assisting the devil and not resisting him. And the why you're assisting him because you're acting like he does. Now, I know this, is, this message is not what you expected. But I want to tell you the reality of the battles that you actually are facing. See, the Bible tells us that we have authority. Jesus has given us authority to resist the devil. And when we come under his authority, we have his authority. But as soon as we move away from his authority, under his authority, see, 
if you submit to God, then you can resist the devil and he must flee from you. But if you do not submit to God under his authority, the devil will just run you out of town. And thus we lose our authority because we, we, we have no authority. Because our authority comes from living under his word in the power of the spirit in Jesus' name. So we don't give him a foothold. And the Bible says that we have the armour of God. And when we stand in that and live in that, then the enemy hasn't got a chance. Now he will try and he'll do what he can. But I want to tell you that when you're living under God's authority and you're living a life which is transformed by the ruin of your mind, the enemy can't really do much to you. He will harass you. He'll do his best, but you can always resist him. And, and, and over... Many years of ministry, I've seen Christians lose battles, not because of the devil, because of their unwillingness to submit to God. The third area of the battle, because there was three armies and there's three armies that we fight in our life. The next one's even, even more discouraging. It's called the flesh. <laughs> the old nature. Do you know that the biggest battle that you need to face is yourself. It's not the devil. It's you and me. I am the biggest problem in my life. Not you or my spouse, even though they may be a pain in the neck. <laughs> if I take responsibility of me, then they've got to take responsibility of them. I've got enough problems dealing with me but if I can take control of me, I can win more battles. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, listen, which wage war against your souls. See, what you don't realise is as a Christian that you're at war with your old nature. You're at war with your, with your evil desires, your temptations and the things that you want in your life which is not permitted by the word of God and yet you choose to live that way no wonder you lose your battles and I want to say to you today that when I talk about some of the battles that you may be facing it will do it will be to do with this it will be, it will be to do with somebody not living a spirit-filled life See, some said, oh, well, the devil tempted me, but let me help you with that with the word of God because that's a really good get out clause because the devil will only tempt you with what you can be tempted with. But James says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Do not be deceived. So I want to say to you, that our enemy sometimes is our flesh. The Apostle Paul struggled with trying to do what was right and couldn't do it. But at the end of Romans 8, he says, but thanks be to God, there is now no condemnation, but it's him that can help me live a life in the Spirit. See, if you're born again today, the Spirit of God lives in you and even though we are tempted and we have carnality and struggles, the power of God in you can help you overcome the temptation and help you live a godly life. You can't do it in your own strength, but with God's power and God's redemption, you can now live a life that God requires. But you can't do that without the Spirit of God. And so God's power in you, that's why the Bible says, he who is in you, is greater than what? Than he who is in the world. So we can't make excuses. I can't get over this issue and I can't get over this habit or I'm just, oh, oh. you can with God's power and God's strength. But there is a posture that we have to take before we can actually move in victory. And so Colossians tells us, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is something that we have to do. Christ died for your sins on a cross. He died. 
for the sins of the world. Now that we have life through Christ, Paul says, you have to now put to death some things yourself. You don't have to go by shedding your blood, which Christ has done once and for all, but there's some things that you have to say no to now. Are you with me? There's some things that you have to deny now. Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Listen to what some of those are. Sexual immorality. Now, I'm not preaching at you today with any condemnation. I'm telling you what your enemy is. And I'm going to tell you how to overcome it. But Paul says you have to put to death some things that Christ died for. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, by the way. Because of these things, the wrath of God was coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another since you have taken off the old self with its practices and I've put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of your Creator. You see, we're all on a journey trying to transform into the image of Christ but we have to say no to some of the old ways we used to operate now we're living by the Spirit. Because you cannot win a victory as long as you live according to the flesh. You've lost before you start. The sinful nature will always ruin you, but you have authority to say no to those sinful desires and those opportunities to move out of the will of God in your life. They are your true enemies. So when you look at Jehoshaphat and you look at the source of the armies that were coming, it's interesting to know where they started Because when you read in the beginning of uh, chapter 20, verse 1, is that after this, the Moabites and the Amorites and the Edomites and Midianites came. But but where did the, the, the Moabites and the Amorites come from? See, Moab and Ammon was born to Lot and it was Lot's daughters that got the dad drunk and they gave birth to these two boys which became descendants of these two nations that were going to fight against Judah. It was a sinful nature, incest, that gave birth to the battle that was coming to Jehoshaphat. And some of the battles that you may face is not because of you, but because of somebody else's decision to live a life of sin. Some of the battles that you're facing is because somebody made a decision to live outside the will of God and now what's coming along is what you are reaping what they've sown. And there's some fights it's not fair because you shouldn't be in the battle because of what they did. And they were coming against Judah, which means praise. And I want to tell you, as you follow Jesus, these armies will always come and try and kill your praise. And the first one was incest, sexual immorality and living outside of God's will will always come to fight you. If it's not now, it will come down the road. If you think you're getting away with it now, please, it will not because it will follow you. It will come to fight you one day and maybe when you're not expecting it. Genesis 4 says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin, the decisions that we make are our biggest challenge, folks. How you live your life. 
either gives room for the enemy to come or it gives room for God to fight for you. Choose. It's a choice that you have and a right that you have as a Christian. You either let God fight for you or you let the devil pounder you. Up to you. It's the choices that you make. Listen to this. The battles we may have to fight tomorrow are the results of the choices we made today. So Edomites, if you look from where their foundation was, came from Esau. His brother, twin brother was Jacob and the dad was Isaac and Esau was hungry, he had an appetite and he went to his brother and he was willing to exchange his birthright for a bowl of soup. And too many Christians have an appetite and they're willing to submit and lose their birthright to fulfil a desire ungodly. And you lose the battle. And he was willing to exchange a double portion of the blessing and his God-given position of number one in the family. And when he, he, he submitted and he accepted the bowl of soup, because Jacob was a deceiver, the planner, just like Satan is a deceiver, and he promises the world if you would just yield to his temptation. But let me tell you, that soup only lasted for lunchtime. He was hungry again at tea. And I want to just maybe say to one or two of you in the room, maybe someone online, if temptation's at your door and on the line is your birthright, your position in Christ, the blessing of God on your life, can I just appeal to you? Don't do it. Let God fill your hunger, not the devil. It's not worth it. God will provide for you if you trust him. And so, some of you can avoid a battle that's coming your way if you will do one thing. Say no to ungodliness. Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. See, that's the weapons of your warfare. So today, you may be here in a battle facing three enemies. The devil, the flesh, and the world. And maybe you are under an addiction and a habit and you can't break it. And you feel guilty and you feel like, I'm just never going to get past this and I haven't got the strength to do it and I keep yielding to this. I want to give you some hope today. God can help you. God can always give you a way out. God can give you the strength to break this habit. God can deliver you from this addiction. God can do it. You can't do it on your own, but with God's presence and God's power, you can have victory. If you're struggling today, we've just bombarded by ungodly things in your life, and your mind, God's Spirit can change the way you think and change the way you live by His power and His presence. But for others here today, you are in a battle or you're going to face one because of somebody else's decisions to live outside of God's will. You never caused it, you didn't ask for it, but you're in a battle and it wasn't nothing to do with you. You might be in a, a battle with your neighbours, your boss, your spouse, your relatives, but you're in a battle and you're thinking, how in the world am I in this fight? I had nothing to do with this. You see, can I just encourage you that you can actually 
fight the wrong battles. You see, a few chapters before this, Jehoshaphat had a passion for the two kingdoms to become one, so much so that he aligned himself with King Hayab, who was an evil king, and he decided to go to a war with him and then he lost his life. You need to be careful who you fight with and what battle you're fighting because some battles you need to keep out of it. And sometimes we can get drawn into a fight that's got nothing to do with us and you fight on somebody else's on somebody else's behalf and you really know that they're the problem and the cause to this fight and that you're standing up for them. Sometimes the best thing that you can do is not get involved. And sometimes we are in fights and we are fighting the wrong enemy. The church is good at that. Fighting each other, killing each other, and they're fighting the wrong enemy. The enemy is the devil, your adversary. And so many churches are church splits and fallouts because they fight the wrong enemy. And I want to say in marriages, in, in, in work related, in, in, listen, make sure you're not fighting the wrong enemy. Make sure you come together. That's why unity is important because it's there where God commands a blessing when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, not division, because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And so we have to learn how to fight. We have to learn how to fight. You know, when I read this story, it's really interesting. So I'm thinking, Lord, I know you're going to fight for them, but you still ask them to get involved in the battle somehow. You still didn't like, you stay at home and watch Sky TV and I'll just go and sort them out for you. He said, no, I want you to go and face them head on. I want you to get ready for the battle, but I want you to watch me fight the battle. I want you to keep your hands off it, but I want you present. I want you not to fear. I want you to face the army, but I want you to watch what I'm going to do in your life. And the sad thing about this in life is that we are going to end up in battles in our lives as Christians. And some of those battles may not be nice. Some of you might have to go to court for stuff. And even though the Apostle Paul says, why are you taking each other to court? Don't you know that you're going to judge angels? Why can't you sort it out in the church? Unfortunately, um, at times we just cannot live under God's authority. That's why we have to go under God's other authorities like courts and judges and legal ways to get the right thing happen to us. So there are times when you're going to have to do that, but how you fight those things is really important. So I realised that there was something important about God's instruction because even though that you are believing God to fight for you, you're still in it. How do you manage yourself when you're waiting for God to bring victory in your battle? Because this is where I want to land right now because some of you are going to have a battle in your future and I want to help you how to handle it. Because if you try and take it in your own hands, you're going to lose. But, but God's approval of you winning the battles if you walk in his ways and you do what he asks you to do. And so when you look at Jehoshaphat, how he managed the battle till God brought victory is really important for us when we're in a fight. Because we will be in a fight. And it always may not be nice. And the thing is, sometimes that things are not fair and we want justice. Of course we do. And we don't want to just live under constant control over the people. We can't do that. And we want righteousness and we want peace. And sometimes you have to go the legal way to make that happen. Or, but we have to manage our internal life before God brings victory on the external scene. And this is where I want to help some of you today because I want to encourage you. Because if you are in a battle or you're going to face a battle, we have to learn to trust God that he's going to, he's going to bring victory through this if we posture ourselves like Jehoshaphat. Because I've seen some people in, in life, in church life, who are right, but because of the way they've dealt with the issue, they become wrong. 
How you manage the battle is really important for your welfare and for God's victory. Are you ready for three very simple steps for victory? First of all, this is what God says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army or for this battle that you're in right now or you're going to face down the road. Listen, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle, but take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. I want to encourage you today, whatever is coming against you, whatever is wrong and injustice that's coming your way, do not fight fire with fire. Lean into God's ways because people who fight fire with fire usually end up with ashes. Take up your positions and stand firm and watch God. I have one minute to give you three points for your victory. Are you ready? Pray to your God who is able to deliver you. Prayer is the first key for your victory. Now, I know many of you know this, but prayer in the right sense. Jehoshaphat said, he stood up in the assembly and he said, Lord, he said, the Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and the nations, power and might are in your hands and no one can stand against you in your battle. You're always after coming to the presence of God, knowing that God is more powerful than any army or any issue that is coming down the road at you. God is in control. There is no force, there is no power that can overcome the power of God in your life. And he knew enough about where God was and who he was that he declared the position of God in his life. And too many times that we make God small and we make ourselves big in the problem. But in this case, he first started by making sure that God was big and that God was in charge of whatever was coming in his life. And I want you to know, in your life right now, God is able to handle all your enemies and everything that comes your way because he is all powerful and nothing will stand against him and he is for you and he will fight this battle. Number one, make sure you come before God in prayer. Seek God first. Make sure you get hold of God and make sure you ask him to get involved and declare who he is over your fight and over your problems and over your battle. Make sure he is over it. Number two, humble yourself and depend upon God, not your own ability. Two Chronicles 2012, our God, will you not judge them? Please, oh, I know when you're in a battle and you get hurt, you want to judge them. You want vindication. You want to slander them. You want to tell everybody what bad they've done. You want to be the judge. But he said, he said, Lord, will you not judge them? You do it, Lord. You judge them for what they've done wrong. You sort them out, God. I'm going to keep my spirit right and I'm not going to get into the slagging match. I'm not going to get into the social media bans. I'm going to keep my heart clean. I'm going to let you do it, God. And so this is humility from him. He says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. I want to tell you, in your own cleverness or ability or your alignments of network in yourself, you are not going to come out of this well without God. So you have to keep yourself small before him. Keep him big, keep yourself small. Keep yourself humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so he can lift you up. Listen, we do not know what to do, but your eyes are on me and you. We don't know what to do, God. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this fight. But Lord, I'm dependent upon you. I can't do it in my own strength. 
I don't know how I got no strength to fight this battle, but I know somebody that can. It's you, God. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I know that your eyes are on me. See, that's the posture that we have to take and too many Christians take God's role in fighting things they don't need to fight and judging things they don't need to judge because it will ruin your spirit. And the third thing, as we come to sing our last song, Don, I don't know what that song that we sung about, our fight is on our knees and our hands raised up, not out. See, some of you are ready to go to war but you need to go to war on your knees. And you need to submit to God and let him fight for you. Now I know you're going to be in the battle and you're going to have to dodge some lies and you're going to have to dodge some criticisms and you're going to have to dodge some social media posts and you're going to have to dodge some hearsay and you're going to have to dodge some gossip, but you've got to keep dodging and keep your spirit right. You've got to keep walking in righteousness and honouring God with your life. You've got to keep doing what God told you to do. Because the third thing that he did was key to us. It's that Joshua appointed men to sing to God and to praise him for his splendour of his holiness. And they went out at the heads of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Listen, if the devil can kill your joy and your praise, he will kill the battle. And so in the midst of the war, in the midst of what's coming against you, you've got to guard your spirit. And the only way you can do that is by praise. See, they went into the war marching, keeping God number one, keeping their spirits right by making sure he was glorified, by giving him thanks and praise. And that's all you can do at times in your life. When hell is coming at you and you want to kill somebody and you want to sort them out, you've got to get... Worshiping the Lord. I want to tell you, if you're struggling with temptation, if you want to kill somebody, put a worship tape on. It will soon end that desire. You can't kill someone and worship the Lord at the same time. I've tried it. <laughs> it's true. You can come on. Listen, is the kids in the room? You can't watch pornography and play worship at the same time. You can't commit adultery and sing, Lord, I love you, at the same time. If you want to overcome temptation, stick some worship on and Satan will run. Because when you have worship preceding you, the battle belongs to the Lord. If he can kill your worship, he will kill your victory. And listen to this word, because God is going to release something as we sing this. I'll tell you why. Because worship is a spiritual weapon, not just a nice song to make you feel good. Do you realise that worship and praise is a weapon of our warfare? Do you know that? It's a supernatural weapon. So when you feel like giving up, you have to worship. I tell you, the devil hates praise. The enemy hates praise. He hates you getting up and saying, I love you, Lord. I know there's war coming, but Lord, I'm not allowing anything to stop me from praising you. Listen to this. You're listening, verse 22, as we come to a close, I'm over, but that's fine. Listen, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against Ammon, Moab, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated as they worshipped. Listen, as they worshipped, God ambushed the enemy. But let me tell you something. When you don't worship, when you don't submit to God, gossip, criticism, envy, unforgiveness, anger, ambushes you and the devil wants you ambushed and the only way to get rid of it is praise because when you release that to God he works ambush, ambushes the enemy and your heart is free from the battle within 
Because really the battle is not the external, it's what's going on in here. And no matter who is coming against you, no matter wrong what they've done to you, you have to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. As they worshipped. When this song starts, God is going to release some things in your future. God is going to sort some enemies out. Because you're going to deal with some stuff in your heart too. You're going to get rid of unforgiveness. You're going to get rid of bitterness. You're going to get rid of revenge. You're going to get rid of, I'm going to sort them out and wipe the floor with them. No, you're not. Let God do it. You're going to keep your heart right. You're going to put God in his rightful place. You're going to trust him because the battle belongs to the Lord. You will not have to fight this battle because I'm going to do it if you'll give me room to fight. Stand with me. Lord, we will allow freedom to come today. We do not justify anything that's happened to people in this room which is wrong. We do not say, oh, just never mind. No, it's wrong. And Lord, we want justice. Absolutely. But we want you to judge. We want you to win the battle. But Lord, we're going to keep walking in righteousness. We're going to make sure our heart is right before you. We're going to make room for you. I ask you, Lord, as we sing this song, as we begin to worship, you release something supernatural. Lord, would you go to war for your people? Lord, would you go into that battle and sort it out, Lord? Lord, will you help us to take our hands off but keep walking in the Spirit with you? Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with temptations, addictions. Lord, as we sing this song today, Lord, would you release them, Lord, from the power, Lord, of that addiction. Lord, would you release them, Lord, from that overwhelming sensation of temptation. Lord, will something supernatural take place as we sing this song over you and over you online today. Let's take a step of faith and release something in heaven and let God move in power in Jesus' name.